My name is Henry Kathman. And this and, is Emma Corey. And we are here. Yes, we are here to bring you the smoothest, the most relaxing, chill vibes as we journey through the life and career of Bari. Now it's time for us to uh, watch a very amazing spin-off movie of, that is a spin-off of a spin-off movie. We are going to journey through the rainbow again as we enter the realm of Fairytopia with Barbie, Mariposa, and her fairy friends. It's the fairy Barbie, but now she's got butterfly wings this time. Because that's a distinguishing element. But before we do that, boo, 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 we got an update on the live-action Margot Robbie-produced Barbie movie. We did? Yes, because... Uh, as we discussed last time, uh, Margot Robbie was originally slated to be Barbie. It's now ambiguous whether or not she's going to be taking the starring role. But she's moved into a producer position where her own personal production company that she has very recently made is handling uh, the production and funding of this movie. Yeah. And folks, we got a director. The director of Lady Bird and uh, December's Little Women is oh, going yeah. to be do- Greta Gerwig. Yeah, Greta Gerwig. A best director nominee. A yeah. best director nominee. Like for many people, uh I I believe I forget who tweeted this, but uh someone tweeted that Greta Gerwig is basically making a movie out of everything I cared about during middle school. I I'm just I'm very interested as to what kind of movie this is going to end up being. Like. Yeah, cuz it's going to be I mean because with Margot Robbie and Greta, it almost, like, it doesn't feel like it's going to be just, like, a straightforward, like, kids movie. Yeah, you know? it sounds like they're going to try and, like, play up some of that ironic humor, maybe, to it. Maybe make it kind of self-aware. Like, I feel like they're just going to rip off that life-size movie with a... Oh, goodness. <laughs> Tyra Banks? Yeah, it was yeah. Tyra Banks. Wow, that's a blast from the past <laughs> right there didn't one see lohan star in that or was that someone else i don't know i know they made like a sequel to it recently or something Ugh, of course they did mm-hmm. but when it comes to this barbie movie i'm i'll be honest there were some moments of like unsureness when it came to uh some of the stuff with the barbie movie i mean don't get me wrong i margot robbie seems to be very sincere about all of her, like, casting choices. Like, no matter what she does, she seems to be pretty, like, driven. And most people say that even if she's in, like, a pretty bad movie, a lot of people will contend that, oh yeah, she was the best part of it. But with this, with Greta Gerwig as a director, I'm more confident that they're going to be approaching this less from an era of, like, oh, let's just make all these dumb jokes about Barbie. Oh, it's cut. she's kind of dumb. Aren't... But I feel like they're going to actually be critical of some elements of Barbie yeah. while being, like, still being sincere, which is honestly the best that you can kind of hope for yeah. with a movie like that. I don't know. I'm just, like, curious to see as to, like, what it will end up being. Yeah. But anyway, this isn't about the Barbie movie. No. It's about Barbie Mariposa. Yes. Which, so, ha- what do you remember about this movie, Henry? So by this point in history, I've pretty much fallen off of the Barbie train by 2008. Like the most that I've remembered of it was Barbie A Christmas Carol, which was released the same year as this in December. And folks, they released three 
of these suckers that year, uh, they have uh, Mary Posa, Barbie, and the Crystal Castle, which we'll be discussing soon, mm-hmm. and Barbie A Christmas Carol. And Barbie A Christmas Carol was the last of the classic era that I distinctly remember. Yeah, too bad we're not doing this around the wintery season. Well, I oh. mean, by the time it comes out. Yeah, it might be a bit more towards there, but... Yeah. That's one I'm definitely interested in, but... Oh, yeah, definitely me too. But the uh, the interesting thing about this movie... Uh, so, as we discussed uh, in previous episodes, a lot of the Barbie movies have been handled by the animation studio Mainframe Entertainment. And Mainframe Entertainment, as you might know, is responsible for things like Reboot, the Max Steel series... Uh, Beast Wars. Oh God, for- Max Steel. He came back. Yeah. Oh God. Yes, he did. He. Well, he never left. I can never. Because Mattel him. keeps trying to make him a thing, and he's just thoroughly just not really worked as a thing. Like, who doesn't love a uh, whatever Max Steel does? Uh-huh, I don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very convincing. Yeah. Very convincing. But by 2008, uh, Mainframe Entertainment was being absorbed by a different animation studio, uh, which is Rainmaker. Now, Rainmaker is also pretty much known for a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, that main A lot of the kind of crappy uh, theatrical CGI. <laughs> yeah, as well as a large stronghold on the direct-to-video market. Yeah. Uh, but they did... Uh, what was that one movie with the aliens where the astronaut came, played by Brendan Fraser... <laughs> Do you remember that one? It was like Our, Planet 51 or something? That was Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, not Brendan Fraser. Who played like the astronaut? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that movie. It was not good. Well, that was made by uh, Rainmaker, as well as the 2016 hit cross-promotional classic Ratchet and Clank, a film that everyone conceded was... Not good, but it gave us an excuse to get another Ratchet and Clank game, which people appreciated. I don't but, know what who this Ratchet or who this Clank is. Uh, they were uh, PlayStation mascot platformers. I honestly not as memorable as some of their predecessors, but yeah. yeah. Uh, but hey. with rainmaker uh taking the helm we're gonna notice a lot more of a distinct animation style and we're gonna notice a much higher level of quality because some of the uh assets are going to be they're gonna be upgrading some of their animation software and likewise uh now that we've exited from fairytopia they aren't gonna recycle the same things over and over again yeah well we'll we'll have to see about that i'd say but do you know what a mariposa is? So, Isn't that like a Spanish term or something? Yeah, like it's I like think Spanish for butterfly. You know, there actually is like a huge like mass migration to Mexico of monarch butterflies. So that's probably why the butterfly wings is a thing. Okay, yeah. So I guess it'll be interesting to see yeah. if like that sort of Latino representation pops I up in this movie. I kind of doubt it oh, to yeah. be honest, but um, yeah. That reminds me of a Cirque du Soleil show I saw that had, like, a lady with, like, big monarch butterflies, and it was, like, a Mexico-themed show. But oh, that's it's a bit interesting, but, you know, it's more it's more about the aesthetic, I think, for them. Yeah. They were going through a specific thing. I mean, thing. with a lot of their settings, that's a big issue where it's, they ha- they like the aesthetics, but they don't really 
try and do anything. Like, they did that same thing with Island Princess, the 12 Dancing Princesses, and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, I remember watching this movie. This was... <coughs> this is probably the last, like, one I, like, got on DVD, like, rented for DVD and watched. Wow. Yeah, so... How old were you when... Uh, 2008. So, like, eight years old. Oh, yeah. okay. So, uh, yeah, I don't remember too much about it, but I remember it being kind of, like, mediocre-ish, so mm. I guess we'll just have to see. I guess, yeah. Who knows, it might surprise me. Well, uh, before we do that, just to run through the standard cast list again, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, we got, uh, Tapitha St. Germain returning, uh, doing some work as some of the extra different background fairies as well as uh kathleen barr eric matthews that sort of stuff so Uh, what's uh interesting about this one is that we actually do have kelly sheridan returning to voice alina yes but the main character mary posa is played by a different voice actress who is uh, the same voice actress who voiced Nori in Mermaidia. Yes, it's uh, Chiara Zani. Yeah. Uh, she does a lot of other good voice acting work throughout the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she has also some, like, other, like, small roles in other Barbie movies. But I do know at some point, like, Kelly Sheridan got, like, replaced for a while. Yeah, I would love to hear the story about why that happened. Yeah. It's, it, it's interesting. But alongside that... Uh, we have returning as the uh, screenwriter. We got Elise Allen, who wrote the previous uh, Fairytopia movies plus the Barbie Diaries. And um, should I tell the story? Yeah. So might as well. we uh, might have gotten a little bit in contact with her. So. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's. Pr- I mean, she's pretty busy. She's currently writing for The Lion Guard, which from what I hear, actually has a lot of, like, really cool stuff going on, including, like, a really good song that they got Christopher Jackson to sing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, understandably, uh, she wasn't able to... Uh, she wasn't... Speak with us. I think she essentially said that, you know, she had written these movies a long time ago, so she, like... She used the phrase that she would have to bone up on them in order to speak about them. Or... Which... Don't get me wrong, it would have been really cool to talk to her about these things, but the fact that she gave us the phrase bone up on them is, that is a very choice phrase, which I plan on incorporating into my own parlance from day to day. Uh It is, Miss Allen, uh... For your services. Thank you very much. Yes. Oh, thank you for responding to Yes, yes, thank you very much. She's currently actually writing a book, well, written a book right now called Twin Enchantment. Uh, it's being published by Disney Books. It's out in bookstores right now. So if you enjoy these movies, go give her a read. Go support her stuff. Because I, I don't think it's reaching too much to say that she's probably a lot prouder of the, that work than yeah. she is. Yeah, and that's these. the thing. Like, whenever we have, like, negative comments about these movies, like... I never try to, like, target, like, the specific yeah. creative people because they probably were pretty restrained in what they could do just because of oh, definitely. it being Mattel and a toy company, you know? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I don't think any, like, artist could, like, thrive to their fullest potential in that kind of setting, you know? Well, so. I mean, yeah. Well, you say that, but there have been differences in the past. I mean, the, oh. you would have said that about, like, the Lego 
movie. Yeah, the- but I don't know. I guess like these movies, because they're so like mass produced, essentially, yeah. there definitely is a lot more like cynical cash grabbiness to this. That's fair. I'd say that as someone who, of course, enjoys these movies enough to like be on this podcast, but that is a part of it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, and then the last one to mention is the director of this movie, who is a Conrad Helton. He's also done a a bunch of other of these Barbie movies. And I believe, oh yeah, he did Mermaidia and Stuart Little 3. Dad, did you ever see that one? Oh, I saw that. I I have a specific song from that movie. The one with Jamie Foxx skunk rapping? Yes, and when he likes like, that song... It, like, plays in the back of my head. I saw that movie once, but that song has never left me my entire life since I've seen the third CGI animated Stort Little movie. Well, I think in order to escape the wrath of the Jamie Foxx skunk, (laughs) it's time to journey through the rainbow once again to visit Barbie Mariposa and her fairy friends. And we're back. Yeah. So. How did you feel about uh, Mariposa? I'll tell you this. Of all the Fairytopia movies we've seen so far, I think it's the best one. Yeah, I think it. It's. I think it's probably like structure-wise and like plot-wise is probably the strongest. I think. Yeah, and also I think from a character standpoint, I think yeah. they did a decentish job. With some of the characters that they went through. Yeah, and I do kind of like how they do kind of try to make it its own thing, even though it still has, like, a lot of those very, like, Barbie movie tropes in it, you know? Yeah, a big problem with the Fairytopia movies is that it looked like they had all this, like, world-building implemented, but it was never really done to help reflect the actual story bits. Yeah. But, eh. Plus, I feel like this one, we got, like, more, like, just an animation bump in general. Definitely. It's pretty clear that, like, the new resources that Rainmaker had certainly helped out the aesthetics of this movie. There's a lot of really good production design, which that was obviously always the case with Fairytopia, but... I also think by far it had the best sort of, like, climax of any of the Fairytopia movies, definitely. Oh, yeah. One thing I wasn't expecting to return, though. Uh, so, this movie begins with another credit sequence. With everyone's favorite character in all these movies. Yeah, so, <laughs> Bibble's back. Yeah, it's a... So... I almost feel like that was like a studio mandate. They are like, you gotta put the Bibble in there. You the gotta... Kids like the deep Bibble. <laughs> Got him. He has not been deep Bibble, though, since the second one. No, he has not but returned he is, to those heights. He is flirty b- Bibble, which oh, is God. still... He's, he's Bibble with with a girlfriend Bibble. Uh... 
So the whole credit sequence is Bibble kind of just like um, slapstick set piecing around the credit sequence where he's like wanting to, in- he's like, he like made weird stone effigies of Dizzle and, Dizzle, her, Dizzle and her so friends. That, yeah, so that he could practice like introducing himself to her. And all the while he's just like, hey, how you doing? And like, yeah. You know, the, at the beginning of this movie, you could almost imagine that Bibble is like in a post-apocalyptic situation, and this is what he does to cope. You know, <laughs> just talking with but, these oh statues. Oh my god! It, but no, he. Ugh. So, what he does, he begins by making these effigies. And then he accidentally knocks them over, and that causes him to basically uh, get buried by these rocks, which, in a just and uncruel world, movie would have ended there. Yeah, it's just... R.I.P. Bill, We would be but free. Free but... from... But those those small miracles does not exist in this universe. No, but instead, uh, there is a... Instead, uh, Alina finds him, and Bibble talks about how he's nervous to meet Dizzle's friends, and worried that he's not gonna fit in. So, essentially, we get a return of the... Barbie explained to Kelly framing device from, like, the first few Barbie movies. Yeah, which was not a missed addition, if I'm gonna be perfectly well, yeah, honest. it's Alina talking to Bibble. Yeah, Alina's still here, voiced by Kelly Sheridan, but... Well, at least in this one, they kind of, like, do a bit better job of uh, tying in the framing device narrative with the narrative that happens in the movie yeah it's because i remember the framing devices were always like super vague you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean i guess and another thing is that they implement it more into the actual telling of the story Mm -hmm. which i guess that's good but oof i'm sorry uh, listener just the presence of Bibble kind of detract from this, and I guess what they were planning on doing with this is that if they wanted to slowly phase out Kelly Sheridan for, uh, like, the new Barbie voice actress, they could, by telling the story, they could theoretically, like, have her be played by someone else, but... Was this the one where they were trying to phase her out? Because I feel like that might have come later. It might have, but this feels like they're starting with that, and I guess it didn't really stick. But Essentially, the the story proper we get into is uh, Alina telling the story of this unmentioned other little kingdom that has different fairies... Butterfly fairies. Butterfly fairies, so... Yeah, it's the Kingdom of Flutterfield, which is, like, across a big old ocean, which is why it's never been mentioned before. Yeah. And it turns out that long ago they were, uh... They were ravaged by these 
creatures called skeezites that would eat the fairies unless there was like a light to protect them. And then one day, like this queen emerged that could like sort of. So we got another random magic lady that solves all the problems of everything. Yeah, which, to be honest, it makes me somewhat suspicious of, like, maybe maybe she created the skeezites so that when she took them down, See, she can install herself as the ruler. That would have been a good, a good twist, but then, you know, these movies are like, we can't teach kids to... Question authority. question authority too much so yeah 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 it kinda, is kind of concerning how many of these fairies economies are based on just like one, one magic person. lady yeah, and if and she dies it's like well i guess you're all gonna be annihilated by these like ravaging killer creatures yeah who are also i think they're meant to be goofy but they're honestly kind of terrifying they are kind of terrifying <laughs> like i think the fact that like there's like that sort of grotesque. They kind of look like uh, the toxic uh, Avenger, if you remember any. To I mean that is that is a movie very much not for our audience, but uh, yeah. Who knows? You don't know who's watching these Barbie movie podcast episodes. That's fair. Apologies for assuming, but <laughs> so we have the uh, in this kingdom. There's a fairy named Mary Posa, and she's not like those other fairies. That would have been a great little gesture to showcase in a non-audio format. But yeah, good job, good job. But but she essentially she's sort of <laughs> it's kind of that thing. She's the outcast, so and she has the one friend who tries to like get her to come out of her shell, but then she's like, nah, nah I just want to sit here like and read my read. books. Yeah, yeah, and. She likes, and because she likes to read, that means she's special. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, like, these are almost kind of, like, bookish girl fantasies, like. Which, I mean, if you're thinking about it, that feels like the sort of audience for a lot of these Barbie movies oh, at that point. But I don't want to go to school, Mom. I want to sit and read some, uh. I don't know, Little some, Women. Yeah, or some, uh, some magic tree house, okay? Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. But she and this friend... Oh, God, what's the friend's name again? It is... Uh, Willa. Willa, thank you. Uh, she and Willa, they work as attendants to these two rich fairies for their job, which makes me call into question, like, how... What is the hierarchy of this place? But It's, it's not questioned. I will say one thing, though. They do do a better job in this movie having like the environments feel populated so fairytopia yes. doesn't feel like empty uh, most of the time yeah but no they have like a bunch of like fairies that are just like flying around in the background doing their own thing and like it's it's a nice change of pace and it's also helped by the fact that there is a nice uh environment that they have established here yeah. but alongside that uh oh we forgot to mention on their way to work uh there's like this super popular fairy named hannah who is hannah hannah so, so hannah is like she's essentially the you know bee in sh sheep's clothing for this movie so bee in sheep's clothing uh, you mean bee the B word. Oh, the B word. And, 
Okay. Yeah, I don't know what our cursing policy is. That's here, fair. But, uh, but <laughs> yeah, so, so she's talking to uh, Mary Posa and Willa about like, oh, I didn't see you at the party. And she seemed genuinely sad that she didn't get to see Elena there. And it's just Mary Posa. Mary Posa. God. They're different now. Okay. They're different now. God. Oh God. That's going to be really hard to get used to with these yeah. movies. But it felt a lot like oh, oh, she seems genuinely interested in Mary Posa, which is not something you see in a lot of these villains. Most of the time. Oh yeah, sp- plot twist. She's a villain, but we'll get into. They that. reveal it pretty early on. Yeah. Not much but, of a plot twist. That's fair. But it's interesting to see, like, oh, wow, they're they're actually, like, doing all this, like, build-up for her and all of that. And the fact that she they build that sort of friendly relationship with her in the first place is like, oh, okay. It, it, it's something that you wouldn't necessarily expect all the time. Yeah. I mean, her motivation is pretty... Uh basic for these movies she true just wants, uh... as it turns out she wants to take over all of flutterfield by poisoning the queen once again having yeah, a... a lot of poisoning plots in these movies i, I mean those are really easy to communicate with the limited animation budget because you can all you have to really do is just show them like pouring something into a person's mouth and just showing them like sleeping yeah i also guess they probably feel it's like a less violent looking way for like someone to take over and like and they always frame it like oh her life force will be drained soon because they can't say that they're gonna be dead yeah but but we get her established and then we also have mary posa the two ladies she works for yeah reyna and rayla who are they are interesting yeah you kind of think they're gonna be sort of like just bit characters when they're introduced but they end up being like yeah the characters that go on the journey with yeah honestly their presence in the movie is kind of like what helped to boost up this compared to the other fairy topia movies because yeah. there's this one party uh where uh willa and mary posa have to get them all fluttered up making their dresses sparkly and this involves yeah. like willa having to go to the sp- like swamps to get this one thing and it always smells like feet apparently down there yeah we never get to see these swamps we no just hear... they just see show us the little fantasy plant that she takes from it mm-hmm. and it's supposed to somehow make them look better i don't know but they don't go into a lot of detail but they go to this party and once again uh henna's just like oh you, you should come in and she's you should come in and party with me Mary Posa, it'll be fun. And she says, like, if you stick with me, I can get you anything you want. And it's just like, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's... Yeah, she gives some some vibes going on, I Yeah, think. she's like... A lot of, like, almost flirtatious vibes where she's... She seems, like, genuinely interested in Mary Posa, but yeah. it's like... Well, the thing is, she never really, like... She's not really out to, like, trick Mary Posa, because it's kind of, like, separate from what she's doing, so mm-hmm. it's like, maybe she is just a nice person when, despite the despite poisoning the murder. <laughs> thing. Well, who knows? Mirabella might be a corrupt leader. Maybe she's doing a good thing. I guess. Well, I guess we'll have to... Well, the potential genocide of your own people in order to violently get power 
it's a very cool motive, still murder type situation. I don't know. I'm come. No, I, oh. I am a henna supporter now. You're a henna supporter. Okay, uh-huh. interesting. Well, I support your opinions as okay. a friend and co-host. <laughs> okay, thank you. But so she's at this party, and she also happens to run. Like, she's too busy reading her books, because she's, like, not those other girls, Mm. and she bumps into this boy who's also reading the same book, and he's not, doesn't want to say, oh, I'm the same person as the protagonist of this book. That's Andreas. That's my name. Yeah, it's the prince, essentially. Is he the son of... The queen? Yes. How does the monarchy work? Will he eventually take her place? I think so, but Mm. they don't... Yeah, as we demonstrated later... Because they kind of like being like, she's like literally the only one who can like save them. Yeah, which makes you wonder like, where's the king in this situation? I don't know. Yeah. But... Maybe it's like a hive situation. Mm, Maybe just like a mm. mindless drone that birthed... The child. Uh, <laughs> That's how. Oh god. Well, they are like insect people, so they are insect people. Oh my god, I could just imagining them like doing the same mating rituals, like some bees. Oh god. Anyway, so they have their little meet cute talking about how like they both want to explore adventure in the great wide somewhere, uh, and they end up leaving. The very next morning, like, he comes to her house to say that, shock and horror, the queen's been poisoned by something. Like, he's laying a lot of exposition (coughs) out pretty thick, but he tells her about how there was this secret type of poison that is only found in these fairy tales that no one believes actually exist. But he thinks that there's a way that you could find a cure to that. And he gives her a map to follow. All the while, this guard is, like, knocking at the door, saying, like, hey, the prince has been around. Let me in. Doing that whole... Yeah, essentially, the prince is being put on house arrest mm-hmm. by the guard. And we have, like, sort of, like, the captain oh, of God, them, the who's, captain. like, a, a blowhard-type character. Yeah, he's a very campy blowhard. I know, it's fun, but... He's, yeah. yeah, it is strange they kind of, like, you think they're gonna do, like, a she-doesn't-know-he's-the-prince-type thing, but then he's, but like... But that kind of, like, is thrown like, out the way. Like, literally, the next scene, he's, like, tells her that he's the prince. Yeah, which makes you wonder, like, what? Just say you're the prince the first time. Yeah, That's... I don't know. Speaking of the prince, the, there was some kind of thing interesting in the movie. You mentioned, like, earlier that there might be some, like, Spanish influence on this movie. Uh-huh, and we uh-huh. have, like... So the the sisters that she works for have, like, accents. Mm-hmm. And the As court, does the prince. And the prince and the queen have accents. And no one else has accents. No one else has accents. So it's very strange how this was... Yeah. Is it thinking, are, like, Spanish accents, like, the higher society people in this movie? I don't eh? know. I mean... That that would be an interesting thought. Maybe it could it helps to make him sound more exotic and yeah, eh, yeah. But alongside that, uh, what else? Once they so once he uh, initiates the hero's journey by giving her a map, she like goes to her employers and tells about like, oh god, this thing is happening, and so. 
the two sisters, uh, what's, is it Rayla and... Raina. Raina and Rayla. Yeah. yeah. And so they kind of, like, disregard Mary Posa first, like, say, oh, she's going to carry the snacks or something. Yeah, like it's that. like, we're going to save the prince and get them all to ourselves. Oh, yeah, the, they they're are, very thirsty they for the so prince. They are so thirsty for the prince. They talk about how, like, he might be at the party. Oh, you'll get... The ultimate reward, just think of the prince. Just getting the prince all to yourself. And it's just like, Jesus, y'all. Like, there's an ocean over there. Maybe drink from that. <laughs> quench some of that thirst. Jeez. You can't quench your thirst with salt water. It's scientifically impossible. <laughs> okay, well, it might be a lake instead. We don't know their large situation. But, but so, they... So they begin this journey, leaving Flutterfield. Uh, it's a, it's very it's a very it's very reductive to be all like, oh, this is just the hero's journey. But I don't know. Watching this movie, like it felt maybe one of the reasons why it felt more structured is because they had that very clear. I don't know. It seemed to follow sort of that formula yeah. pretty well. Well, the other ones, it felt like they like got to like the journey part of it extremely quickly. Like the yeah, it didn't really take a long time to like establish things as much. Well, this one was a bit more on the establishy side. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, they do a lot more world building, and I think they also give us more time to actually know about some of these characters because uh, one of the more interesting things they do is that uh, Willa. Uh, is asked to stay behind so that she can keep an eye out another fairy topia friend that gets to stay behind but at least they give her something no but they give her something to do which is something i really appreciate because she's actually tasked with trying to find the prince and trying to help him out with his situation uh and they end up doing a lot of stuff but before we can get to that the group ends up flying uh across the ocean to this other land area where the skeezites. I keep on wanting to say Skeksis because yeah, of a, Dark I, Crystal. I know. I like saw the first episode of that Oof. Dark Crystal show. So did I. It's a uh, very interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested in seeing where it goes. But the so they first travel uh, according to the map, but when night falls. They're so far from Flutterfield that the skeezites appear, and they start chasing them, and they have that signature, oh, they're they're flying up, and they're, get, they're bobbing and weaving, and they're losing them, but one of the skeezites eats the map, and they are eventually a- able to lose them, but in order to keep going, uh, they need to follow the rising sun that was on the map, indicating that they need to go east. Which, it would have been interesting if they actually showed us the map a little bit, you know, build up some of the journey. But I think the fact that it went away in the first scene was like, eh, wasn't really that important. Like, well, they gotta figure it out somehow. But... So, she ends up following this archer-like mm. uh, constellation that's in the sky, which uh, she, Mary Posa showed Willa that a little earlier in the movie, but yeah. it's... It's a constellation that always points east and helps them travel throughout uh, the area. The bewilderness, as they call it, which... So clever. That's, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, either way, so 
Though, when they do- the map does get- and we are treated to a very- another kind of a chase sequence with those, uh, skizites. Skizites. Yeah. There's a few- a few too many long skizite chase sequences yes. in this movie. I mean, I think the problem is is that there's only so many times where you could be chased by them before things get lit. Yeah, and they're very, like- even though they are kind of unintentionally spooky, they're also kind of meant to be the, like the goofy, yeah, like the they have a very Patrick the... Star voice, yeah, and they're just kind of like eh. bumbling around, you know. Definitely. So eventually, as they're uh, flying around, they uh, encounter <laughs> a little flying <laughs> rabbit that is called a Miwa. Uh, a plus. World building, and her name is Zinzi. Who... The last Zinzi. <laughs> God, do not remind me of the last Mimsy in that. I don't think mo- I've ever actually seen that. Oh, movie. I've seen that movie way too many times. I feel it. like you could do a series just on like those like mid two thousands children's fantasy movies uh. that were like the rage during that time. Anyway, off topic, but essentially, so they end up meeting this flying rabbit named Zinzi who loves Fluttercorn, and because of that, uh, they bribe her to take her to take them to... Which she white... takes them, like... Ten feet. Ten feet away, and like, yep, did it. <laughs> and she takes them to this, like, mermaid statue, which, which looks very good for yeah. the brief amount of time that we there, see there's it. There's, like, some cool environments, I think, in this yeah. movie. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, as it turns out, they look at it, and they realize, okay, we need to go where the mermaids are. And Zinzi's like, oh yeah, we, if we go fall here. Yeah, they go to Water World. They go to the Water World. Yeah. Oh god, they like do. That, yeah, like that. Who stars in that movie? Oh, Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah. Oof. Mad Max, but wet. And a lot of pee drinking. Mm. But, oof. So, they end up diving into this lake, and suddenly, it, they talk about how we need to, oh, we can't breathe underwater, and so Zinzi's like, oh, we just need to eat this. And then suddenly, Bibble interrupts being like, what? We had to eat this seaweed in the last movie. Like, like they're, it's almost like they're trying to explain the continuity errors between this very topia yeah, movie. Yeah, that is the a difference between earlier framing devices. Or it actually like interrupts the narrative yeah, a couple times. Yeah, and it's like because oh, you've got to have more of that bibble. We gotta have more of that bibble, and we forgot to mention the first time that they interrupted because as soon as they leave Flutterfield, Bibble interrupts, being like, "Oh, they should leave. It's not." And it's safe. like, didn't Bibble like go on like three adventures before? Yes. This movie? Yeah, they. I'm pretty sure these were, like, same level of danger here, if we're being honest. And, God, I just... (laughs) I don't know why they wanted Bibble to be such a thing. You know what? I gotta admit, Bibble, he's been growing on me. I think I've... No! I I think I'm starting to appreciate his No! How dare you! He's very comforting in his aura, you know? You can go into one of his movies and know you'll hear That will devour your soul. Yeah, but maybe I want my soul to be devoured by <laughs> Okay, okay, Bibble. I am... <laughs> you, got, oh you gotta give into it eventually. I, I will... 
I hopefully my soul is stronger than yours, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, so Bibble does not reward strength. He rewards those <laughs> that uh let themselves be vulnerable to the might of Bibble. <laughs> Oh my god. So So they go and into this like the water world and they meet these mermaids because of course they do. It's always fairies and mermaids in this yeah. movie but they need to find this place called the Cave of Reflections which will show where this mythical antidote is and the only way that the, <laughs> that the mermaids are gonna tell them is that if they retrieve them these conkle shells that only the mermaids use as pillows. And they have to replace the conkle shells with something, or else the mermaids are gonna cry and release a sea monster. Which, don't really know why children in this universe sleep in front of a dangerous monster. Yeah, or why... They gotta create a setup for the video game version somehow. Oh lord... I need to look into that video game version because that definitely... I think that's another thing. There is a definite, like, yeah. quest progression in this. Like, they have their little fetch quest. They got, like, simple exposition and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. It's very interesting to see how... Yeah. It is a slightly weird sequence, but... So, what they end up doing is that they... They well... try to Indiana Jones it with some plants. And it's actually something that Rayleigh comes up with. So this is where we start seeing Rayleigh and... R Raina Ray try it. And before then, like, Raina the mermaids and... they find, which are, I guess, the only two mermaids in this world, yeah. like, didn't want to help them. Like, Because they were pretty... Like, they don't even help them. They just tell them where to go. So yeah. Like... Yeah. They but... just... Ugh. So they try to replace it, but unfortunately, one of the little leaves wasn't wrapped properly, and the baby wakes up and starts crying, and all the other mer babies start to wake up and cry, and this wakes up the sea monster, which is like this really creepy catfish-crab-lobster hybrid, and it's just like, yeah. it's got like a person face, and it's just like, yeah, the skeezites and this have bad juju to them. Oh, definitely. But... Eventually, uh, so they end up getting chased around. It's more of that, oh, they're flying around, trying to outfly them. And, uh, but and eventually the two mermaids, they don't, I don't think they ever give their names. Yeah, they do. One of them is like Anemone and the other is like a different name. Uh, I mean, they're not super important because that all they do then <laughs> is after they're convinced that like, Alright, fine, I guess we'll save your lives. They deliver them to safety and tell them, like, Oh, we'll just just follow this path that you're already on and it'll take you straight to the Cave of Reflections. And yeah. it's just like, cool, thanks for nothing. But... Yeah, I think I feel like the mermaid characters kind of, were kind of there to, like, sort of reflect on, like, Reyna and Rayla. Yes, because... Yeah, they do actually talk about how, like, the, how Reyna and Rayla, like, are able to actually communicate with them pretty good and are able to, you know, sort of curb those sort of difficulties yeah. with them. And they were ch talking about how, like, yeah, they reminded us of fairies we used to know, which is like, oh, okay, you're doing some self-reflection, so good on you there. Good on you there. And... Okay. 
so they end up falling in the cave, and eventually they are flying through this swamp. And that's when we cut back to uh, Flutterfield. So, uh, Willa is watching in on the queen, who has fallen even more sick. And uh, the captain of the guard has a little conversation with uh, Henna, talking about how, like, Oh, I'll do whatever I can to help the queen. <laughs> and then Willa witnesses her pouring more poison into her. And so she goes to look and find Prince... Uh, Carlos. Car- Carlos? Yeah. God, that's such a basic name. Prince Carlos. What, you roasting the prince now? I'm, ju- I'm just saying with stuff like Rayla, Mary Poe. I mean, I guess that's a fairly... There's a Willa, a Henna, a Rayla, and a Reina. That's the names in this movie. Yeah, and I guess Carlos feels so regular compared to those. But she ends up finding Carlos being locked in his room uh, and with the captain of the guard explaining that we must keep you here for your own safety in the event that the queen dies so that you can be next in line. Even though it's like, well, if she's the only one that can... Stop. Well, then, I don't know. It's just, it's just, you can't question it. You gotta, you gotta Mm. go. Mm. But, uh, then there's this, I guess, amusing scene where Willa's, like, trying to, like, talk to him, but he can't hear her through the glass, so they're just... So she, like, thinks that he, like, can't speak her language or something? Yeah, where she's, like, very clearly mouthing out... Mary Posa until he realizes oh you're talking about Mary Posa and it's just like alright and then there's the sequence where he uh when he comes back in the uh captain of the guard is asked to open up the door and just to let some fresh air in Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is enough for her to sneak in and start stealing the key in a very hijinksy sequence where he's behind. Yeah, him. he has no no uh, perception. So yeah, no, very low perception stat. No yeah. peripheral vision at all. Uh-huh. So... Did that thing where he she's like walking behind him and like kind of bobbing and weaving. Oh, yeah. But he's eventually able to steal the key. So they they start. Uh, breaking him out and they start tailing henna and and uh they eventually follow her to her lair Mm -hmm. where she's talking with the skeezites about like she has apparently like this little light source that can like keep them at bay yeah, she, like, combines it with, like, the little plant that Willow was getting in, like, the poison, essentially. Yeah, and, and that's enough light. to, like, make a little artificial light, which is, I mean, I guess that's... Well, now they don't even need the queen. Yeah. yeah. Just get it. I mean, then, it, well, eventually you you would run out of either one of those two things, and then... Yeah, but, I mean, the queen is just a lady, you know. You're gonna run out of her eventually, too, so... Ah, uh, God. <laughs> Everything will crumble to dust. Oh, yeah. It's the way of the world, man. Uh, we can never keep the light afloat that will save us from the skeksites or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> God, this 
this took a dark turn. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, so eventually they go through like this swamp area until they find a special cave that is full of these skizites, and it's the only way to get into the cave of reflections, which of course it is. And yeah, they have another amusing <laughs> sequence where they're gonna sneak in through, but. Oh no, some of them are waking up. So, uh, Zinzi starts tossing, like, rocks at them so that they'll start chasing her. And they're chasing her. Yeah, I gotta be real. This chase scene was the one that went on a bit too long. This one, yeah. Especially since it was still that very same, like, Oh, I'm gonna get her! Oh, no, I'm gonna get her! Yeah, the the Skeezites have very annoying voices. Like, they sound very Patrick Star like. Uh, But, you know. But Patrick Starr was dumb in a clever way, you know, because he always had, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had, uh... Like, kind of like a less dumb Spongebob to kind of play off of, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But the... But with them, I feel like they just try to make these things as non-threatening as possible to the point where it's, like... Eh. eh. Where you don't really see them as, like, an actual threat. Like, I feel like a, a movie that balances threatening and non-threatening humorous side villains very well is the lion king like when you think of the hyenas and how they sort of act like they still act relatively threatening in the first mm, i'm not gonna talk about the remake but in that i try not to think of the remake that's fair that's fair but (coughs) but eventually (coughs) but eventually uh zinzi is able to fly out of there as they always do, and they get into the Cave of Reflections. And I will say, this is, like, the one sequence from the movie I remember, like, actually, like, remembering to some extent. Really? Okay. I think it's... Even though, like, the other kind of, like, action set pieces are kind of like, okay, we've sort of seen this kind of stuff in Barbie movies before. I feel like this one is definitely feels, like, unique. Yeah. In the way it's set up. Yeah, I agree with that. They certainly do a lot to, like kind of bring out that internal conflict within them uh, while also, like, trying to, you know, efficiently present these sort mm-hmm. of challenges. So they meet this tiny little light fairy who says that in order to get the cure, you have to pass this trial where they're like, okay, one of you needs to stay behind. And at every leg of the journey, like, one of them uh, stays behind and while they're going through it, uh, they start talking, and their reflections start talking back. Yeah. And they're, the thing their reflections do is that they start, like, uh, kind of voicing some of their uh, base desires sort of things. Like, Mariposa's talking about how, like, oh, you're not important. Like, you don't deserve to be the hero in this and the other two are like oh you should be the one you should get all the rewards and all of them are kind of realizing no we shouldn't listen to that we need to yeah yeah like i said it's a pretty like interesting setup but essentially they go through this whole sequence and at the end mary posa is the one who's left to go forward to like the final stretch of it yeah and i and this is one of the things that, like, helped out. I appreciate that Reyna and Rayla, like, actually get to, like, learn some humility in some of this. Like, in any of the other Barbie movies so far that we've seen, they would have been just, like, these sort of catty comic relief. Yeah. Not full-on antagonists, but annoyances. Like, uh, 
like Madame Carp in the Princess and the Popper or uh oh god, what was that antagonist's name in Barbie Diaries? Uh, Raquel or something? Yeah, Raquel. Yeah. Uh, but at least with this it's like, oh, yeah, I think they kind of, like, had to make them a bit more, like, dynamic just because they, like, had them go on the journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Like, it would have been interesting to see, like, it, it could have been a lot worse with yeah. that. But... Yeah. And Mary Posa goes through the mirror at the end, and she essentially ends up in this area with this, like, constellation. Yeah, like, is... this endless field of stars, which was, like... Pretty cool looking when we f- I first saw it. Yeah, and it, it's kind of cool how it like kind of ties in with like her looking at the constellations. Yeah, before. yeah, because like, and she's still talking with her own reflection, who's like trying to get her to doubt herself. Still, it's it's very uh, like Empire Strikes Back. Only what you take with you, dark reflection. But the reflection's telling her to just turn back and forget this. But but Alina thinks one of these stars is the cure. And she looks and she finds the Archer constellation, which has helped them navigate stuff before. And she looks and it's pointing towards like a single star that's all by itself. And the reflection's like, oh, who cares about that star? It's, it doesn't fit in here. It's meaningless. You're just a stupid star. Yeah. And she's like, no, I'm not a stupid star. That one's just as important. <laughs> and lo and behold, that's the right answer. And it's another one of those, like... I appreciate that the whole, like... In previous stories, uh, the whole... You gotta believe in yourself stories. Like, usually the peop- the characters that need to quote-unquote believe in themselves... They already have stuff going for them. And they aren't actually that insecure in who they are. Yeah. But with her, it's like, oh no, she's like... She seems to have, like, some actual, like, social anxiety and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, a, I mean, as as overt as you can be in a movie like this. But it's, like, like that worry about fitting in and, like, being yourself. They do a lot better job of, like, illustrating that in this movie. Even, like, a movie like The Barbie Diaries, where that was supposed to be more of the overt message, like... Yeah, it just feels a lot clearer in here and not quite as just, like, pulled out from nowhere that it can sometimes feel. Uh-huh. And... I mean, I think as, like, basic as this movie is, I think it does, like, a lot of those basic Barbie trips pretty well. Yeah, and it, it makes sense. Like, this is the 25th Barbie movie. I feel mm-hmm. like at this point they... Hopefully they perfected the formula. A little though. bit. Yeah, you would you would hope so. But, but this is where we get our sparkly transformation. Oh, yeah, because for some reason, because she has this flower that's the antidote, now she's blessed with glowy wings, and it's like... Didn't the glowy wings don't help, but it makes him look cool, I it's guess. It's because they had the toy, because I remember seeing this toy where, like, she would have the folded end wings, and then you would, like, press a button, and her wings would, like, pop out to, like, Ooh, full size. Okay. Did they did, did the tiny versions of the wings sparkle, or was it the ones that only popped out? Well, they probably were already sparkly, I think. Yeah. That's fair. But I will say... uh I mean, we kind of already talked about how, like, the character designs are a lot better in this movie. I feel like even though they are still kind of these busy outfits, I feel like it's subtle enough. Yeah. And I feel like uh, the whole, like, Mary Posa aesthetic is kind of a bit more subdued, you Yeah, know? I think it's because 
they have that theme of butterfly fairies, they're like able to put it in a more clear direction. Whereas in the first fairy topias, it's like flowers. Okay, let's just yeah. give them generic fairy flower dresses, and as a result, there was less of an actual aesthetic in mind. But uh, now with her glowing fairy wings, she is joined by the others, and now they're going to be taken back to Flutterfield just in time to rescue uh, everyone. Because now the lights are slowly dimming, the skeezites are closing in, ready to devour and vor these fairies. Oh yeah, they are looking for that Vorin, saying. <laughs> but the... But, um... Hannah's at the captains with the captains saying like we've evacuated everyone into the shelters which I mean okay good they actually have a contingency I guess but but Hannah's just like I will stay with her till the end oh you're really such a good friend and then Carlos is like mm, no doubt yeah. <laughs> doubt uh, and shows all them receipts. Uh, Tras yeah, does uh, a Carlos, clap uh, back. Carlos uh, cancels Henna. Um, <laughs> oh, what other teen slang? Uh, Henna, such a victim of cancel culture. Oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> <sighs> oh, all man. she did was poison someone to death. It's like you can't figure out where the line is anymore. Yeah, and you like, do... how are we supposed to tell if it's okay or not to poison someone? Like, you give. You poison one person, and then they make you look like the bad guy. Yeah. Like, haven't they ever considered watching my 40-minute apology video explaining it from my perspective? I can't wait for Hannah's apology video. It's got 15 ad breaks. <laughs> uh, she's like, hey, guys, I just wanted to. Before, but before we start... Thanks for my sponsor, sure. Skillshare. <laughs> if you want to learn how to properly make these apology videos, just go to Skillshare.com. It's where I learned to make poison. <laughs> and make apology videos with expert instructors like... Uh, <laughs> where are we going with this? I don't want to poke that hornet's nest anyway. All right. Anyway, um... <laughs> so the uh but no carlos spills all the tea and shows off that you've been poisoning stuff and they give the proof and she cops to it pretty quick which is like okay good on her i guess she knows she's like she haha i was evil the whole time and now i'm gonna freaking murder all you guys unless you give absolute power to me which if they complied, how would the skeezites start feeling about that? Like, look, we don't really know how the skeezites really work in this universe. That's so. true. That's true. All we know is that they're kind of like vampires. Mm -hmm. They feel light. Oh my god, they're just dumb fairy vampires. Uh, they're dumb fairy vampires with bug teeth. Oh god, that reminds me of a comment you made when we were watching when Alina chooses the star, like, her reflection, which was speaking to her, just, like, disappears and, like, yeah. she became a vampire now. Yes, yes. But eventually, uh, uh, when, once they out, uh, Henna, that's when, uh, Mary Posa and the other three, like, show back up. And... 
Uh, and Hannah's like, ah, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. But nope. Uh, I guess Carlos and Willa got it prepared where they gathered up all the supplies and made a bunch of these glowy orbs to like shoot at them. And they are able to stave them off in time for Mary Posa to deliver the antidote to the uh, queen. <laughs> and so they start doing that where they have the very humorous sequence where they start hitting them with that. One of them swallows it and starts glowing, which makes you wonder, like, is that painful? Like, does that kill them? They become very terrifying. They kind of, like, operate on those monsters from the Scooby-Doo movie rules, except they don't explode. Mm -hmm, They just mm -hmm. have to run away. They just have to run away. Yeah, it's very strange. And, uh... Mary Posa's starting to run in, but Henna's following her, and she steals the flower, and she starts plucking it until uh, all the while talking about how, like, you know, if only you just follow me, I could have given you everything you wanted. And it's, she's still... She's like, I'm kind of wondering... That that's the part of the movie that I felt kind of strange. Like, what exactly like, Hannah wanted with Mary Posa? Yeah, like, since like she didn't even know that she had like the map, so I didn't know. I don't know why she would like focus on her specifically. Yeah, I mean, like it literally only seems like like there was something about there that that interested her, and it's it's really easy to look at it and be like I guess she has a crush on her or something I don't know but I don't know she's got who knows what Hannah is thinking who knows we never what... really get her motivation for all this aside from from getting power yeah she evil like guess. yeah but she tries to do the whole join me to the dark side type deal and once you think about it Mary Posa we are exactly the same well they don't really pull in you're not we're not so different you and I in this one I know they do that in some other movies here but it's yeah. like but it's like yeah, it's interesting where uh, eventually one of these little flutter fairies help, like, steals the flower back, which makes me wonder why didn't they just make Zinzi do that since she was, like, the whole mascot for this thing. <sighs> Try not to think of that. Yeah, Z- Zinzi, oh, no. yeah, I was expecting Zinzi to have more of a role in this oh no luckily the flutter fairy is able to steal the flower back and Mm -hmm. they it's enough to like have the queen start sniffing it and it looks like oh crap she's actually died because all the lights dim and and it's like you're too late which we never see the queen like not dying so it's like why care if she dies to be honest yeah well, the light's starting to dim, and they start yeah. running out of the glow balls, and it looks like they're about to die. But then, oh, she wakes up, and everything's glowing again, and nothing is wrong anymore. All it takes is a single absolute monarch to be alive in order to stop the kingdom from succumbing to total destruction. And, oh, thank God. And then Hannah's like, you might have managed to ban me from Patreon now, (laughs) but I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna... You can follow me now on Gab. (laughs) Or whatever alternative to... Whatever Milo Yiannopoulos is trying to do these days. Oh, God. 
Apparently not, because he's also like... He's gonna have to resort to street picketing eventually. Oof. But the... But no, she... But she starts uh, doing the whole dramatic, you may have defeated me this time, but I will be back. And she's like, skizite, away! And it's not listening to her. And then eventually there's like this stampede of them running away and she's carried off. Assumingly to be eaten by them. Yeah. Like I Maybe was, she'll come back in the sequel. I don't know. Maybe. That would be very interesting to see her become a recurring villain. Yeah. Because this is the only, like, series where we get to see that sort of stuff. Well, that's low. But uh, with Flutterfield saved, uh, the queen bestows all of the heroes various honors in the form of tiaras. Yep. You saved my life and our entire world. Here's a flower crown. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess there we go. And with that, uh, we return back to Bibble. Who now has confidence to... Because it's all about Bibble, okay? It all comes back to Bibble. (sighs) It's like poetry. It rhymes. And the rhyme is Bibble. (laughs) He's the constant. The forever. The eternal. Hashtag deep bibble. Um, so, yeah, Mary, so Aline is like, see, uh, Mary Posa was able to be, to save the day by just being herself. Looks, for all we know, though, Alina might have just, like, made all of this up. Yeah, I, I have no idea what, I, I just don't know what the whole point of that sort of framing device is like i mean if you wanted to connect these two things as like being in the same universe which by all accounts is what they want to do you could have just like had like alina just be a regular narrator without like the actual framing but how else would you have put bibble in there Henry, you gotta give me an alternative where they somehow fit Bibble in there. I don't know, make a puffball, make, uh, Z, Z, Zenzi a puffball instead of a weird bunny rabbit. Just give a, be like, this is Bibble's cousin, Zibble. It could work, but, uh, Dizzle ends up coming by, uh, and, oh, her friends are, are flutter fairies, like, in the story and now with confidence Bibble flies off into the camera and we get to see those beautiful soul encompassing eyes I know and then, aren't we so blessed yeah but before the movie ends one of the flutter fairies bumps into the camera and looks at us in the eyes as they wave goodbye which I didn't the need... films are starting to look back Henry I don't. I They're did. becoming aware that we're watching them. Ugh. Those. Do are you things. understand the ramifications of this? Ah, uh, I think I do, and I don't like them. No one is safe anymore. Soon, you're just gonna wake up, and Bibble's just gonna be looking like, at you. Like, I've been waiting for you, Shoop Shoopoo. I've been waiting for you, Shoop Shoopoo. <laughs> yeah. Ah, it's time to. 
Jordan. We all float down here. <laughs> God, I am way too good at doing that impression. That is that was a scarily good impression. I am terrified. I am oh, shaking. There. Okay, good. I've now made you see reason that Bibble is awful. Well, that was just an imitation of the Bibble. You know? <laughs> it was your it was your act of heresy that was so terrifying. <laughs> I'm saying. Well, I think that's Barbie Mariposa. Yeah. So, uh, what'd you think? Uh, I thought it was decently enjoyable. I think I'm, like, somewhat burnt out on these Barbie movies a bit, you know? You think so? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, well, luckily for us, we're... I think the problem is is that we've had, like, three Fairytopia movies in such a short span of time, and it's just like, oof, can we just, like, chill on something else, please? Oh, definitely. But, yeah, I mean... Uh, like we mentioned, I think this one is definitely the more interesting of the Fairytopia movies. Apparently, its sequel is a lot more well-remembered, so... Yeah, so uh, I'm kind of like, I'm curious as to, like, what else they'll do with it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think now that they've theoretically moved to this different setting... Even though they only make, like, I think one more movie with Mariposa. Mm-hmm. No, no, they also do Thumbelina. That's not Mariposa. Well, it's it's slightly, I think it's slightly related. I think they also have, like, a Mariposa and the Fairy Princess type thing or something. Like yeah, that there well. is that one sequel. And mm-hmm. that'll be, uh, there are a lot of people who have thoughts about that one. So yeah. I'll be interested in seeing I know, it's kind of exciting, though. Like, we're going, going into new territory We soon, are. For so... the first time, we're like really seem like movies that we don't immediately yeah recognize. i think i did watch the diamond castle at some point okay like, well after a point you know it is kind of like who knows what will happen i agree yeah so perhaps this will give us that nice spice of life to reinvigorate our yeah deep appreciation for everything that isn't bibble <laughs> so i'll win you over one day one day you'll see but the not light. this day so, Stare into the missing tooth gap of Bibble's gaping maw. Uh, no! <laughs> you'll see the How truth. dare you? How dare... I can't believe you did this to me. How dare you? I can't believe you done this. <laughs> so, uh, next time, uh, we're going to be, uh, actually going to Barbie and the Diamond Castle, which, as we mentioned, was released the same year, and that's another one where, uh, a lot of people... Have a lot of fond memories of it, and yeah. just like Princess and the Popper, a lot of people. There's a lot of shipping fuel in that oh, one. Yeah, so. I'm looking forward to this one because I remember liking it when I saw it. Like okay. a big movie scene as kids. So yeah, and from what I can see, it's uh, also another musical. So yeah. well, those are always interesting. To and uh, as long as they don't have another rat song in it, oh. then... <laughs> I don't know. They got. The DVD cover involves, like, two dogs. Oh, God, is there a dogs. rat? No, but they are two dogs there, and that Two mi- dogs. That might mean that there's, like, an animal antagonist of some type that might get a song. Oh, no. And I guess we'll have to see. Yep. Uh, but until then, hey, Emma, uh, where can 
people enjoy more of you and, and your... All right, for USI, the shield, not quite as a... Uh, uh, Barbie related as yeah. But well, that's there. maybe one day you can also convert them to the cause of Bibble. Maybe so. Maybe that that that's my calling in life. That's... I need to go out and make sure people know the good news about Bibble. <laughs> yeah, and how he will eat all of our souls. Yeah, unless, 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 uh, you agree to. All right, so. Until then, uh, as as for me, uh, you guys theoretically know what I do. Henry Kathman, you can find me at Kathman Henry on uh, Twitter, henrykathman.tumblr.com, uh, patreon.com slash henrykathman. Help me pay the bills and do all that sort of stuff. Help support this podcast and get it uh, a week or a couple of days early. Uh, and we appreciate any sort of support. But uh, until then, uh, oh, also, uh, at Pink Isle, if you want to tweet at us with Pink Isle stuff, we, we've been, we've been getting some really positive messages from you guys, and we really appreciate your support and all that sort of stuff, oh, yeah. so, yeah, thanks again for listening and all that sort of stuff, but, uh. Oh, what do we rate this movie? Oh. I give it. Three Fluttercorns out of five. Oh, we barely mentioned the Fluttercorns, but... Uh, maybe it's because, like, I we have been, like, kind of burnt out with the Fairytopia thing that this one is, like, all the more better. I'm gonna be generous and give it, uh, four Poison Vials out of five. Awesome. All right. So... Well, I guess we're signing off then. Right? And remember, listeners... Bubble is love! Bubble is life! Yeah!